hockey fans, and welcome back to the first regular season episode of the eighth season of Rotowire's Signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Satsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me in the hockey capital of the world at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in beautiful Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, where the sun never sets, I don't think. And that's very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. And uh, I can't wait to bring my partner on board. We're going to switch it up with a few things that we have never done before and hope you like them. Give, them us our feed- give us your feedback when you get a chance to listen in. But uh, we've got a couple of games that pl- were played last week uh, in Prague, Czechoslovakia, Czech Republic, I'm sorry. Uh, but the games begin in earnest tonight in North America. AJ, how about looking at a couple of the key signings? Some big dollars were thrown around on the eve of uh, the rosters getting settled earlier this week. Yeah, some some big big deals here. Um, starting with you know the, the biggest one this last week, Matthew Barzell, eight years, uh, nine point one five million was the uh, the annual value of that one. Um, feels a little high to me, if I'm being totally honest. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at his production, and it just seems like a titch a titch high uh, overall there. Yeah, AJ, I'm inclined to agree. I think they were trying to save some room and spend it uh, on some other players to get more high being guys in there. I know Nazem Kadri was coveted by Lou Lamorello as well, but of course he went to Calgary instead, uh, looking for a better situation himself. I think he found one, to be quite frank. So uh, the Islanders were able to throw big money at a guy who's probably the most skilled player on this roster. But uh, like you, I haven't seen... Nine million dollar performance out of this guy in any of the years in, in the league. Is he skilled? Yes, he is. Is he capable of being a point per game player on a regular basis? That's the part that he hasn't demonstrated for me. So I'm a little bit iffy on that one. And I know I think you're in the same boat there. What about Jason Robertson? I, I look at his contract four years at 7.75. I mean, he didn't go for the eight year deal that several players are going for. You look at the, the fact that the cap is going to rise significantly in the last couple, next couple of years. So I wonder if that entered into his thinking, AJ, what do you think about this particular side? Uh, yeah, I mean, from a team standpoint, I like this one a little bit better. You're not committed kind of to that, that real long term, even though, as you said, you run the risk if he does pan out that, uh, you know, in, in a couple of years, he'll be asking for, for a bigger chunk of money, but it's certainly not like he didn't get paid, um, you know, and obviously the risk for the team is that, he doesn't do what he did last year, um, which was, you know, well above what he did in the first season. So, uh, you know, his rookie season was 45 points in 51 games, really good, solid numbers, brought that forward to 79 points in 74 games, 41 goals. And I think that's where the question mark comes in because 7.75 million, you're looking at a guy that should be upwards of 35, 40 goals um, and if he's not producing at that level, then, then you're overpaying him. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there, AJ. The third signing that is the one for me that's almost the most intriguing because I was very high on the work that the Calgary management did when they were back in the corner on, as a result of losing their top two players from last year's team. And uh, Matthew Chuchuk basically forcing them to deal him. I think they came out smelling like a rose when you consider they got back Jonathan Huberto, who matches 
to chip point for point, maybe even outpoint them. And then they also got, in terms of big quality, Mackenzie Weger to bolster an already pretty solid defense. And he just signed on for eight years at $6.25 million. I mean, maybe it's a little heavy at the front end, but uh, this guy's going to settle in and be a key part of this defense and make sure that the, the Flames are a team to be reckoned with for a long time, bolstering that back end and uh, really giving them one of the best top fours defensively in the entire league for my money. And he's a threat to be a power play quarterback as well. At some point, at points during this thing, he'll battle uh, Rasmus Anderson with, with, for that role in Calgary, but solid, solid addition. And uh, I think the money will, will look good as the salary cap rises in a couple of years. What say you? That was my initial take as well. Um, but when you look at the fact that like he's 28 now, um, you know, this contract's going to end when he's 37, like, are you confident that Uyghur's going to still be producing at that level on the back end of this contract? So um, I guess I'm a little concerned, you know, Paul, you point out, you could argue maybe it's a little overpriced now, but then, you know, if you're looking at his production and his age, when it ends, it's going to be overpriced then too, even if the cap does still go up. So um, I'm a little concerned on, on both sides of this deal, but the middle should be solid, I guess. <laughs> AJ, uh, we're going to differ from the usual format that we have where we go through each of the 32 teams and what's happened to them over the past week. We haven't got much to report because the games haven't started. So instead, we're going to opt for uh, more of a gambling focus, I guess, on today's show with a look first at several of the player goal-scoring props. Uh, I think we have a chance to take a look at what DraftKings has set up there. Uh, The over and the unders for all these bets is a minus 115. That means, correct me if I'm wrong, you have to bet $115 to win 100 on each of these bets, correct? Yep, yep. So, or the other way to think about it is if you bet 100, you'll win 85 um, coming back. Okay, so just so we're clear on that. And we can go through each of these players, AJ, and we'll we'll alternate. I'll certainly tee us up with the first one. is Alexander Barkov, the over-under on his goal-scoring prop is 38.5. I don't think he only exceeded that once in his career, if I'm not mistaken. Certainly it's going to be a bit of a challenge for him to reach that mark because he's got – hasn't got Jonathan Huberto on the wing. And off the early returns, it looks like they're going to separate him and Matthew – Kachuk, of course, they're going to be together on the power play, but they're going to do what they did with Huberto and, and Barkov in the past and have them each kind of run a line. And I think that's going to impact the scoring totals because uh, uh, Barkov doesn't have the superstar player on the wing. He's got Berhage and Sam Reinhardt, who solid performance, definitely top six types, but not, they're not the marquee names that, that you want uh, to feel better about this bet. I think I'm going to take the underside. Yeah, I agree, Paul. I like the under here. I mean, to your point, last season was the only time he's hit this over. He had 39 last year. He's actually only got two seasons with 30 goals, period. So from my standpoint, um, I, I definitely think it's it's pretty high here. Um, I'll take the under for, for all the reasons you highlighted. And, you know, just the historical production isn't there on that one either. Um, I'll take us into our next guy here, uh, and we're going to look at Alex DeBrincat with Ottawa. Uh, comes over from Chicago. The over-under here set at 38.5. Um, has hit this mark twice in a five-year career. Obviously, all of that was with Chicago. He's over with Ottawa now. 
Um, different center looks like second line center with Stutzley and then Claude Giroux on the other side. So uh, for me, I like the over here. I think Claude Giroux is a good player that uh, will pair up well for to feed him the puck. Not that the Brinkat didn't play with good players in the past. Um, I think Stutzley's poised for a big year, moving back to like his more traditional center spot. Um, so I'll take the over on DeBrincat. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of hype around this guy, AJ, and I'm not buying it. I'm going to say I'm, I'm taking the underside. I just think that Ottawa's been a little bit overhyped in the preseason going. I think they're hurt also by the fact that one of their starting goalies is injured, and uh, they're counting on a defenseman, a raw rookie, although highly regarded, to, to boost the back end and maybe be a, a 1B power play quarterback in this situation behind Thomas Shabbat. And I, I think that opposing teams are going to really key on that top line. And we're not talking about a Claude Giroux, who was uh, the early 20s version of, of a guy who was a high, sc- high scorer in this league. His, his stock has dropped, too, in terms of the offensive capabilities, a tick from, from his best years. So all that conspires for me to say I, I take the underside on this bet with Dabrinkat coming in at under 38 and a half. Up next, one of the signature players in the league for his whole career, Alex Ovechkin, AJ, perennially in the hunt for 50 goals. The, the prop is set up at 45 and a half goals. And we're talking a guy who's uh, pretty soon to be 40 years old in this league, but he doesn't see, appear to be slowing down. And the talk about him catching uh, Wayne Gretzky's all-time record is uh, make, it, make it seem almost like a formality that he's going to do it in the next few years if he keeps this up. I think 50 goals is a little bit high to think for from him again. So this is really a touch-and-go one for me, and, and I could see it being, being very close to the 45-and-a-half. I'm going to suggest the underside just because Washington's dealing with a rash of injuries, including his longtime center, Nicholas Backstrom. So, again, I think the fact that they have one less, one or two less offensive weapons to start the season off is going to make, uh, make the hunt for 50 or even more than 46 hard for Ovechkin to pull off. Um, I'm wondering if you'd say the same same thing. Well, I'm going to take the over at 45. Um, more often than not, over the course of his career, he's hit that mark. Um, and really, you look at the years he didn't, like 2020, he only had 24 goals, only played in 45 games. Uh, another year back in 2012, he didn't hit that mark. He only played in 48 games that season as well. So for the most part, with like one glaring exception, um, if Ovechkin plays enough games, he'll, you know, his usual amount of games, it's not like he has to play all 82, but uh, his usual amount of games, he'll hit 45. So for me, definitely taking the over on this one. Up next, we got our Timmy Panarin, AJ. He's coming off a 96-point season, but he only got 22 goals last year and the A74 assist. The prop on this one, partner, says he's going to go over 28 and a half. What about that breakdown from, from your standpoint? Where do you sit on this? Yeah, I think this is a good year to back uh, a lot of Rangers in a, in a lot of props for season long. I think the offense is going to really, you know, keep rolling. I know Panarin uh, was down last year, um, so don't, I, you know, I think if anything, that goal total last year probably served to move this number a little bit lower than, than it really should be. So for me, I'm all over this over. I think the Rangers offense is going to be really good this year. And Panarin will be a key piece of piece of that cog. Yeah, I think I agree with you, AJ. I've got him pegged for eventually first line role. I, I think the guy that's going to take a hit this year is Chris Kreider. I don't see him repeating his 52 goal season, and I think he might even lose first line reps here. 
uh, to Panarin, who I still think is the most skilled player on this particular roster. And why not put him up with the big boys on the first line and load up a little bit and see how high he can go? And I, I, I agree with you. He, he was hampered uh, a bit offensively uh, for a couple of seasons, but before that was steady in the crowding the 30 goal mark. He was over it three times, in fact, early in his career. The next guy, AJ, is Austin Matthews. The props, 57 and a half goals over under. He got 60 last year in 74 games played, and he won the league's MVP. I think that's a big number. Will he get be close? I think he's healthy starting the season. He looks a step quicker to me based on what I'm seeing in the preseason too, AJ. And uh, they toyed with with what was amounted to the Red Wings Farm Club in the last exhibition. And he got two goals without even breaking a sweat. And uh, I just think he's really ready for another big year, but that's a big number. And and just because of how high it is, I'm a little reluctant to go to the overside of that one. Uh, I think he might come in just under the 57 prop, but if he has the big year, he can go 65. I'm just betting on the other side this year. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Paul. That number is just too big, 57 and a half. You know, the, he's got four 40-plus goal seasons, including last year's 60. Um, you know, he, he, he'll score goals. He's going to get a lot. Um, if it was oh, – jeez, if it was 52-53, I'd probably take the over – um, but I mean, 50, you're betting on 58 here and that, that's just so many, anything can happen. Um, you know, if you talk to some people like our friend, Anna Dua over at NHL.com, uh, they're going to have a real bad year. So, um, yeah, I think they're, uh, heading towards a possible, possible drop here. Well, uh, that takes us now. Next on the list, we've got uh, Braden Point, AJ, from a, peren- a team that's perennially in the hunt. And uh, his prop is 38 and a half goals. That's a big, a big number for him because he's more of a playmaker type, too. He's exceeded that prop once in his career with 41, but he's come in well under that. And I think he's going to come in under it again this year. They Their offense is a little bit thinner. And uh, I, I think... I think there's going to be a challenge for him to approach that mark, considering he's only done it once in his career. So definitely looking at the underside here and feel pretty good about this and maybe more than anything else that I've seen so far. Ryan yeah. Russ, Ryan Russ is up next, AJ. You lead this one. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, just over, over eager to get to Brian Russ here. Uh, 29 and a half is the total. Um, I'm admittedly a little hesitant on this one. Russ has never hit that mark at any point in his career. They're potentially moving him with Malkin and instead of having him with Crosby and Gensel, which to me, you know, playing with Gino is, is fine, but it means that Jason Zucker is the guy in the other wing. Um, so that's a concern to me. They're not sold on Brian Rust being on that number one power play unit either. It could be him. It could be Ricard Raquel. Um, moving those guys back and forth. So the fact that, you know, he hasn't really gotten to this quite this level of scoring in the past, I, I'm taking the under on Rust at 29 and a half. I'm with you there, partner. I thought I would wonder if you'd be ballsy enough to go over on this one, but the fact that he hasn't done it before, I mean, it's a pretty nice one-two punch at center. Once again, wash, rinse, repeat, uh, Crosby and Malkin. Those guys can stay healthy. It'll it'll boost his chance because he's been playing with them on the power play more often than not as well. So it's contingent on a number of factors. But 
I would like to see a history of this guy doing it before I put some money down on the oversight. So I'm comfortable with the underside. Up next, uh, yeah, I mentioned him earlier, Chris Kreider. The over-under is set at 40 and a half. So the line is set 12 shy of what he did last year in a career-type season. I think he's going to be challenged to reach this one, AJ. And and I know you like the Rangers, and, and I do too as a team. But I just think that's a big number for him. He only reached it once in his career, I do, I believe, and that was last year. Uh, crowding it a couple other times too, I'm sure. But I just think he's going to come in on the underside and maybe lose some reps to Artemi Panarin in, in key situations uh, throughout the year. Yeah, to your point, Paul, never has had, other than last year, even a 30-goal season. So um, there's some concern there, obviously, uh, you know, with, with 40 and a half being the mark. I'm still going to take the over, though. I'm back in the Rangers here. Um, I, I expect everybody to get an increased share. If, you know, if it was like 45, 47, I might not take it. But at 40 and a half, I'll, I'll jump on that. I'll take the over here with Chris Kreider. Okay, AJ, lead us into the next one. I know it's he's a, kind of a local favorite for you, and uh, you probably have a different opinion from me on this one as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Cole Caulfield, uh, uh, total mark here, 31 and a half is the, is the number. Had 23 last year, you know, his first full rookie season. Um, I'm going to take the over. You know, he really has adapted well under Marty St. Louis. I think there's a good combination of um, – you know, kind of what he can learn from them. Trust there on the other side, Caulfield, we have penciled in first line left wing with Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson. Um, I think he'll get more power play opportunities this year. Uh, and so I, I really like this total. I, I think 31 and a half uh, is low enough that I'll, I'll take the over on Caulfield here. You know what? I was teasing you and, and Canadians fans who listen to this prop, uh, podcast every week. They're probably anticipating me bashing this guy and saying definitely on the underside. But look at what he did last year, AJ. I'll remind you and our listeners, he was pretty flat in terms of performance in the first half season. But with the coaching change, he really lit up with Marty St. Louis behind the bench. And I think he's an easy over of the 31.5. I think he's going to crowd 40, uh, to be honest with you. That's what I expect from him. But I think that might be the highlight for viewers of Montreal, followers of the Canadians, counting up this guy's gold total and seeing if Jurej Slikowski lasts the whole season uh, or just plays nine games and goes back to junior. So those are the, the two things. But I think I'm on the upside on, on Cole Coffee going over 31.5 goals this season. Then one that I talked about on the DraftKings show that we did earlier today when we were on together with Anna Dua, and, and that is Connor McDavid over 46.5 goals, AJ. My slant on this one is from what he's been talking about and how he must feel after losing out on the Hart Trophy to, to Austin Matthews and being chided for never being a 50-goal shooter. It was kind of good-natured ribbing that, that he received through the media, I think. Nobody's really concerned about the fact that he's not reached because he leads the team and the league in points year after year, it seems. And he's a sure bet to do it again this season for my money. I just think he, he has talked about shooting more and being a little more selfish with the puck this season. We know what he's capable with the puck, and I think if he keeps him on his stick more often, more pucks are going to go in. So I'm going to say he goes over the 46 and a half prop and really challenges all the other big snipers in the league for the rocket Richard trophy as well. That's a daily double that you might find on the betting 
betting sheets as well that might be worth a quid or two. Uh, so I'm all over uh, McDavid going over the 46 and a half prop. AJ, what about you? Yeah. Um, I, Oh boy. I'm so torn on this one. Uh, but Paul, I, I think you talked me into it. I'm, I'm going to join you on the overside here. I was leaning towards the under, um, you know, last season was his, his personal best at 44. So we're asking him to get three more goals here. Um, not, not totally sold on it, but, uh, yeah, I, I think you, you talked it up on, uh, you know, how much he's going to, shoot more and all the reasons to do that. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to join you Paul and, and take the over on this one. Okay. The final prop that we're going to look at in the goal scoring column is with David Pasternak and the Boston Bruins, AJ, there's some background here that I want to share with our listeners and you're undoubtedly aware, but they have some big time injury issues, including one Brad Marchand, who's going to be out for a couple of months, at least before the, he returns. And he normally plays a lot of time with Pasternak, at least on special teams, if not on the top line. I know they're considering breaking up that top unit. The, the prop is 40 and a half goals. This is a guy who's reached it before, and I think one day he's going to get over 50. And uh, I don't know that it's going to be this year because of the injuries up front and to a couple of their scoring defensemen that usually help him get into good spots. But 40 is a real interesting number for me. I think while the injured guys are away, he's even going to be more of a focus in terms of players wanting to get him the puck in good situations as often as not. So I'm going to say he still goes over that prop, albeit I'm not expecting 50. I'm sure he's going to be capable of going at least 41. Yeah, I'm going to take over here as well. I I agree with everything you said. Um, Obviously some concern, you know, with, with kind of the assignments and and the injuries and stuff, but he's got David Krejci back to play with him. He'll be on the number one power play unit. Um, and I agree with Marshawn out of the lineup. Maybe Pasternak gets uh, a little, f- few more looks with the man advantage with that number one unit. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the over is, is the way to go on this one, too. And so there's a sample of the props that you'll see on DraftKings. Fabulous, fabulous site and one of our longtime sponsors. And we'll try and hit on a, a few other ones uh, maybe next week in other categories, maybe some goaltending stuff. We'll see uh, what we put together. But another thing that we do regularly when we talk on the DraftKings show, the sweat in the mornings, is the, is the daily lines on some of the games. We talk about the puck line, the totals, and the money line, AJ. Can you explain how each of them work by using tonight's games as an example? And I'll try. I'll ask you also to come up with your, your favorite bet for each of these games, and I'll, I'll give you my opinions as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, money line is, is the, obviously the, the most straightforward one. You're just picking who's going to win. Um, you'll see tonight the Lightning are, are plus 100, which means uh, even money there. Uh, Rangers are minus 120, which means they're favorite. Um, total, again, pretty straightforward. Total number of goals scored in the game doesn't matter who wins. Uh, for that Lightning-Rangers game, it's set at five and a half. Uh, and then the puck line... Uh, is usually a way to get some value out of whoever's favorited on the team. So you'll see the Rangers minus a goal and a half, so they have to win by two goals. If they do that, you get plus 215 return on your $100 bet. Um, You can take the Lightning plus a goal and a half, uh, so they just have to lose by one uh, or win, obviously, but you don't get a ton of value on that. Um, It's minus 255, so you're giving up a lot of juice to, to not get any money back. So, um, you know, for me, looking at this one, I like the Rangers in this game. 
I don't like the, their potential to um, win by two, though. Uh, minus 120 is okay value to bet the Rangers, but ultimately, I think for me, I'm going to take the over in this one. I set it five and a half. I think we'll see more goals than that. Um, these are two of the netminders that will be battling for the Vesna Trophy at the end of the year. Um, but for me, it's the first game of the season. Like uh, These guys are still going to have a little bit of rust to shake off. Preseason hockey is not the same as regular season hockey. May or may not totally be in the groove here. Um, so I think though I think we'll see some goals. I think maybe a you know four three game something like that um, to get us over that that six total. So uh, I, I think we'll get there four two obviously possible as well. Um, but I'm just not sold on the Rangers winning by two. And I want to you know get a little bit more value uh, than just taking the Rangers straight up on the money line. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the money line in this one, AJ, and I'm favoring the visitors. I think this is a an important message game, even though it's first one right out of the shoot. And Tampa's going to want to send a message to the Rangers, who a lot of people are touting as one of the, the conference favorites here. I mean, these are two teams from different divisions. They won't play each other a lot this season, so the opportunity to send a message is rare, uh, unless you get head-to-head opportunities, and this is one of them. I know the goaltending situation is one that that is ripe for comparison with with Shesterkin and Veselevsky, two guys who are top candidates for the Vesna Award. And, and you know, uh, Shesterkin won it last year over Vasilevsky and company. And I think that uh, Vasilevsky's got a lot of pride and he's going to want to play well. I'm tempted to go to the total, but I think you're right. The 4-2 is just as likely as any other score. And that might even be an empty netter. So you'd hate to lose by half a puck when the puck goes sliding into the open goal. I hate that. So I, I'm going to go to the money line and take the visitors, though, because I think there's pride on the line, and, and this team plays with more pride than most, and they have a lot of talent, and I think they want to send a message to the Rangers that, hey, we may be a little longer in the tooth than you guys on average, but we've been here before in big games and looking for big seasons, and we're back for one more kick at the cat. So I'm taking the, the bolts at even money. What what about breaking up breaking up the uh, – the nighttime game for us, our listeners, AJ. What about the lines there? Yeah, pretty similar breakdown here. So you've got the the Kings minus 120. They're the favorites. Golden Knights at, at even money plus 100. Total just slightly higher sitting at six. So obviously if you do get six goals, it's just a push. You get your money back. Um, and then the LA Kings on the puck line are the ones that are minus uh, one and a half goals here for plus 205 value. And that's where I'm going to go on this one. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on the Kings. Uh, Golden Knights won't have carrier tonight. Um, not really sure yet what we're going to get out of Logan Thompson here as the as a starting netminder. Um, so I'm I'm pretty pretty uh, strong on on the Kings tonight. I, you know they've still got Jonathan Quick. Uh, they've gotten better, including the Kevin Fiala addition. So I think they can win tonight. I think they can win by two. So I'll take them on the puck line, uh, plus 205 value there. I'm right there with you with everything that you said, AJ. I, I like the way the Kings are really building out their forward units over the last couple of years. They've added some nice pieces of free agency, spent smartly there, in my opinion. They've still got a motivated Drew Doughty and Anze Kopitar leading the defense and forwards, respectively, and they got some players filling in around them now, quality players. So, so it's no, not a walk in the park when you're going out to the left coast, uh, Los Angeles Kings are going to be a minefield for a lot of teams that go out there. And I think the biggest Knights know that very well, but they're in tough. And I, I don't like the goaltending situation. So that's going to go a long way for me to also suggest that the over is in play here. I think that these teams will combine to go over the six 
number as well. So that's two bets that I have in this game. AJ, uh, we have uh, a couple other things that we want to share with our listeners, but we're going to save that for the second half of our show. Let's take a pause to give our sponsors some airtime. We'll be back with some news and notes from around the league. You'll, you're listening to Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed messages whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring podcasts on the blue wire network unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system yet then you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, we're back, and uh, before we move on, we have to give uh, some uh, a nod to our major sponsor at Caesars, AJ. Why don't you take that one away, and also remind our listeners how to get in touch with us on a weekly basis. Yeah, so we've got the NHL back uh, starting up here. NFL, of course, is in full swing as well. So uh, it is the best time to try Caesars Sportsbook. Today, anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesars Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem Caesars Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com sportsbook or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. As Paul mentioned, if you want to follow along with us, uh, you can reach us on Twitter. You can follow me at AJ Scholes24. And you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. All right, partner. We're going to take a look now at the cap situations of the teams as they found a way to get compliant and hit the under on the salary cap allowance for the season. It was a lot of manipulations in some cases. And we want to make our listeners aware of several players that you probably shouldn't consider drafting who are now in LTIR or IR situations with their respective clubs. And we'll begin with a look at the Vegas Golden Knights. I was really looking forward to seeing what they might do to clean up their salary cap situation. And uh, this is the way it shook down. They took no fewer than five names out of their lineup uh, at training camp and put them all in either long-term or injured reserve. We got Laurent Brassois and Nick Haig on the injured reserve. They could be back at some point in the near term, I suppose, but Brassois' contract calls for a 2.3 million cap hit, and Nick Haig is right there at 2.3 as well. Uh, if these guys come on the, the the main roster, they're going to have to move some other players from above, so it's going to get tricky for them. But the three other big names who are on the sidelines are Shea Weber, who uh, whose contract's going to probably be moved around. He's got three more years beyond this one with a $7.8 million cap hit. So teams that are looking for... LTIR flexibility are going to look for contracts like this to, to I guess, give themselves some breathing room in future years. Uh, Vegas has taken advantage of that. They also have written off Robin 
Leonard for the entire season, and that's why their goaltending situation is a little murky with Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson manning the Nets. And then a sad story for me, Nolan, Nolan Patrick, who years ago, a few years ago, was second pick overall in the draft. Things really never panned out for the youngster at the NHL level, and he's got $1.2 million coming to him this year, but I think it could be the end of the road for him just because of the injury issues. So those are three players that I really don't think we're going to see at all this season. The first two that I mentioned may have a chance. So, AJ, that's how I looked at the Vegas situation. Up next, I was just intrigued about Montreal's circumstance. Can you walk us through what you saw there? Yeah, so for Montreal, obviously the bulk of, uh, you know, the work comes in in terms of Carey Price being on long-term injured reserve, um, his season career uh, likely over here. And then Paul Byron just announced today that he uh, underwent hip surgery there. And so uh, he is uh, going to hit long-term IR and, and be out for a while as well. So those are the two big moves. Of course, they've also got... Uh, Joel Edmondson and Joel Armia on uh, regular injured reserve. Uh, not not looking necessarily short term for either of those guys. Um, but again, as Paul said, Armia, we're looking, you know, kind of end of the month. Uh, Edmondson, you know, uh, they're listing him out indefinitely at this point. No real update on him either. So um, they, you know, probably could still move a few things around. Um, they could put either of those guys on LTIR if they needed more space. As it stands, though, between Price and Paul Byron, um, they do still have about, you know, two and a half million of LTIR that they could use if needed. So, um, yeah, overall, um, it's, it's all about that Carey Price big contract that helps them get under the cap here. And Tampa has really skirted around cap, uh, cap issues for years. They're going into the regular season with 20 active contracts out of the 23 that you're allowed. So you know that they, they have some big money tied up in their players. And they've got an issue that they're going to have to deal with sooner rather than later, I think, too, in Anthony Sorelli. He's one of two, list, two players listed on the injured reserve with a cap hit of $4.8 million this year. But he's injured right now. And they do expect him to come back a little later in the season. And, and to accommodate him, I think they're, they're looking at probably having to deal somebody who's healthy right now uh, to get, get him back in the lineup. A must for my money. I think he's a guy that factors into their top six in a big way. One of the heart and soul guys on this club as well. Zach Bogosian fits the heart and soul uh, moniker, but he comes in with an $850,000 cap hit. He also is on the IR. I expect there to be injuries on the blue line here at the, during the course of the season, and that could be his ticket back when he gets healthy. But in terms of long-term injury list, the name of Brent Seabrook is a guy you don't normally think of when you think about the Lightning, but he, his contract was traded over here. He's got $6.875 million on the deal for this year and next year. And then finally, they've got a buried penalty associated with Felipe Myers, who they acquired this offseason, and he has a $1.4 million cap hit. Oddly enough, he comes in as, with a credit next year of 275000 to actually help them with his contract situation. It's a very weird deal, but that was really a key component of acquiring this guy. I don't know if he is going to factor in as anything more than a depth piece here, but certainly an intriguing thing just because of his contract situation, AJ. Yeah, so looking next at the Washington Capitals, um, again, another team that's been hit um, by some rough news to start the year. Obviously, we knew about Nicholas Backstrom. He's on long-term IR. That gives them about 9.2 uh, 
million in savings. And then they've also got Tom Wilson. And then today, Carl Hagelin out indefinitely had been dealing with that eye injury last season and now um, has a hip problem. He's out indefinitely. So if they needed some, uh, you know, some cap to get somebody in to make some moves, they could obviously switch Hagelin uh, to, to long-term IR. Uh, as far as Tom Wilson goes, we're looking this early December for his return, Backstrom all the way until November. Um, so, yeah, they've had a number of kind of key players over the last couple of years on this team that are going to be sidelined for a significant amount of time this year. And, AJ, one team that everybody's looking forward to seeing is the Edmonton Oilers. You want to see how they, if they are ready to take the next step and are they the next Canadian team to win a Stanley Cup? That's a 30-year-old streak, and you've been wearing me out off the air about this. You and other people at DraftKings, <laughs> I just want to see it end. And Edmonton certainly is a candidate. They didn't really have to do too much in terms of the LTIR. It was pretty obvious the names that were going to help them get relief, and that was Oscar Kleffbaum, whose career is just about done, I would suggest. He didn't play last year. He's got a cap hit of $4.167 million, and we probably have seen the last of him in the NHL. He's got that hit this year, and then he'll ride off into the sunset. Joining him is Mike Smith, uh, the 40-plus-year-old goalie who has been one of your not, – not your favorite guys yeah, for the history of this show, I'll say. You probably only have to talk about him maybe not at all after today. A uh, cap hit of $2.2 million uh, will be his retirement fund, I think. And then Tyler Benson, a guy who really has never made the grade in Edmonton for $750,000, the last piece there. So three names that uh, not really relevant in fantasy, AJ, are the guys that Edmonton is uh, – used to get cap complaint. What about the Carolina Hurricanes? They're one of the favorites. Well, speaking of guys that have been much maligned on this show, Jake Gardner, another guy whose career is effectively over. Um, they're using all of his uh, long-term IR for one more season. He's got just over $4 million in the cap hit, so he'll be sidelined uh, this year. And then they've also got Max Pacioretty on injured reserve, so that's a big uh, contract that they're having to deal with there as well. Again, depending on how long we're expecting to see Pacioretty out of the lineup, they could always opt to shift him. Um, I expect they will at some point. We're not expecting him back from that Achilles injury until about mid-February. So, again, at some point, Pacioretty will probably officially shift to long-term IR and give them even more cap space uh, available. Well, either that, or can you imagine if they decide that they want him in the lineup, then they got to move $7 million elsewhere. So the, that'll be an intriguing situation because uh, I'm sure they didn't get him for, for the cap dip. They got him because they wanted him to play and be a key factor. So that will be one that I'll watch with very great interest to see how it unfolds. One of the other teams that I'm going to keep a close eye on since they're in the Atlantic Division is the Florida Panthers, and they are starting to spend a lot more money in recent years because they're a very competitive team. They were led the league in points last year. And one of the guys that helped them get there was Anthony Duclair. He's starting the season on LTIR. Don't think he's destined to spend the whole year there. So that $3 million will have to be moved around and offset by some other players that are on the active roster. Again, uh, a cause for some intrigue. Not really sure how the tryout for Eric Stahl turned out as successful as he wanted. So that's another name in the background. Uh, no news yet about a contract situation there, AJ, from my end. I don't know if you heard anything different. No, I haven't uh, Haven't heard much there either. So, um, yeah, in terms of, of the Dallas Stars, um, you know, most of their uh, their issue here comes – 
in the form of uh, they've got a just over about $2.2 million uh, cap penalty for Anton Hudobin to be playing in the minors for them. Um, because he's a veteran, it's it's a buried penalty here. So um, that's kind of their their biggest issue here in terms of in terms of the cap hit um, and and trying to figure that out. So they um, look set to 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 go into the season not too much in terms of injury concerns for them. Um, just having to you know have had shuffle things around earlier in the year um, for for that buried penalty. AJ, the Leafs were a busy club when it came to figuring out their opening night roster, and they moved a few pieces around. Jordy Ben hurt himself in the exhibition schedule. He's not expected to be out long term, but his contract of seven hundred fifty thousand allows them to put him in the minors if and when he does get healthy. So that's an option they retain there. The question that I, I want to see unravel is Timothy Lilligren with his one point four million dollar cap hit this year and next signed a two year deal earlier than his. Uh, compatriot Rasmus Sandin, who also settled for the same cap hit, although albeit a different qualifying offer awaits him than, than Lilligren next, after next season. But Lilligren is a guy I expect to play on this roster, and he'll be battling it out with, uh, I think, Justin Hull. Is, is, uh, his job is sh- on shaky ground. He has a $2 million cap hit, so if they do swap Lilligren out in for Hall, the Leafs will have a little bit of extra cap space and uh, I thought, I anticipated also that maybe John Tavares would start the season on at least IR. But uh, word just came out a little while ago on Roto-Wire that uh, he's going to be ready to go against the Montreal Canadiens on opening, opening night. I'm, I'm really happy about that. So uh, the Leafs are another team that's going with only 20 of 23 possible players. So playing with a, a tight roster, but that, that still affords them four complete forward lines, six defensemen, and the two goalies that you go into battle with uh, on your lineups every night. So uh, Leafs are ready to go, and I'm happy about that. <laughs> Up next, Calgary, one of the top contenders for my mind, and uh, the team that I think will oppose the Leafs in the Stanley Cup final. I'll say that again and uh, <laughs> get a rise out of you. But what about the Calgary Flames? They had a very interesting offseason, and they had to do some juggling as well. Yeah, so heading into the this season, uh, you know, that, that eight-year deal for Rieger doesn't kick into next year. So they're still paying him about $3 million less. They've got Oliver Shillington on uh, injured reserve right now. And then just announced uh, shortly before we went on the air, Michael Stone will be back on a, a regular contract. He had been in camp on a uh, um, professional tryout. So they're signing him. Um, they made, you know, some minor moves uh, to demote guys and stuff like that to get under the cap. So they're looking good, obviously getting Shillington back as soon as they can. Um, I would expect maybe uh, when that happens, we'll possibly see something to the extent of, uh, you know, maybe Stone ends up on waivers to try and move him to the minors in order to get Shillington back in the lineup here. But uh, for the most part, um, they're they're pretty much shut. And AJ, I'm going to have you comment on the Pittsburgh Penguins. They came in. Uh, a week ago with $1.5 million over the cap. They got under it with one move, and I wonder if you want to have a word about that or anything else. This is to your time. For your, for your- <laughs> yeah, so the, the interesting move that the, the Penguins made uh, throughout camp, it seemed like Ty Smith was going to be the guy to earn that last kind of open defenseman spot um, over uh, Pierre, uh, Pierre Oliver-Joseph. Looked like they were going to have Smith on the roster. That did not happen um, because 
Pio Joseph is just ever so slightly cheaper. Um, and I saw today the Penguins are have the least amount of cap room of any team not using LTIR. Uh, their projected cap space is about $83,000. Um, so they're right up against it. Uh, not a lot of flexibility there in terms of uh, moving things around. Um, but, yeah, very uh, kind of tough choice, it sounds like. Uh, for much of Camp Smith filled that 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 third pairing role, um, but the money just didn't work there. And, and honestly, that's what happened a couple of years ago with uh, Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith. They sent DeSmith down because he was making just slightly more than Jari at the time. Then Matt Murray got injured. Tristan Jari kind of took over and the rest is history there. So we'll see if this has a similar cap implication here. Um, but uh, yeah, that was kind of their, their one move they had to make to, uh, to get that through. And AJ, I'd be remiss if I didn't go back to Leafs for a second. Uh, you reminded me with your comments that there was some question, a lot of comment about Nick Robertson. He's a guy that I think could be a, an impactful forward on this team. He was shipped to the minors by Toronto because he is waiver uh, waiver exempt. So they had the freedom to move him down without putting him on waivers. They didn't have that luxury with a couple of guys that have signed on with this team and Dennis, Dennis Malgan and uh, Nicholas Abe-Kubel and... Uh, Zach Aston Reese, those guys earned spots on this club because they all four of the guys played very well in the exhibition schedule. But the other the three veterans, they aren't weren't waiver waiver exempt. And so that's really one of the big reasons why each of those players made the team. Certainly they all four played well, but somebody had to lose out and they earned they have a little more flexibility with with Robertson's situation. And I have no doubt that he's going to be back with the main club early in the season with anybody else suffering any kind of bumps or bruises. And, and they will have the ability to move him in uh, before too long as well. So not a bad guy to stash if you want to do that. The Philadelphia Flyers are up next, AJ. What do you say about their, their circumstance? Yeah, so the Flyers are, are pretty straightforward in terms of uh, how how they fit under the cap. They've got... Um, uh, you know, Ellis and uh, uh, Sean Couturier, Patrick Brown are all three on IR. And in fact, uh, they did have to put Sandstrom, uh, their projected backup netminder on uh, season opening IR. So a little bit different, um, but they'll get some savings from that as well. So yeah, Patrick Brown, long-term IR, Ellis and Sean Couturier on injured reserve as well. Um, so I obviously don't touch either of those guys. Um, they do still have Artem and Isimov is around the team. He's, he's dealing with an injury right now. He was on a PTO. Sounds like they're going to let him kind of play through it, practice with them a little bit, and then try and sign him uh, maybe down the road once they get a real good look at him. Uh, and they'll be able to do that because eventually here they'll shift Ellis uh, from – standard injured reserve right now to long-term in order to get that 6.25 in cap savings. And we're going to need a few minutes for me to go through the Boston Bruins situation, AJ. Uh, they had a host of moves, uh, maneuvers, and a couple of key names to note. If you're headed into drafts like I am going to later tonight, you put a big X with a, with a concerned exclamation point on Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy don't overrate rank these players in your drafts because they're both going to miss a sizable chunk of the season. You kind of got to prorate Mar- Marchand for no more than 60 games, I don't think, and maybe Charlie McAvoy the same. So while they would rank much higher if you had an 82-game schedule for both of these guys, they're both on the IR and for considerable time 
actually McAvoy's on the LTIR with his $9.5 million cap hit. Marshawn only on the IR for 6.1. So a couple of issues there for the Bruins to navigate. And uh, they got uh, penalties on their roster with the likes of contracts related to Nick Foligno, Chris Wagner, and Mike Riley that are factoring into another bite out of their salary cap. So a really murky situation for the Bruins to navigate and a couple of key injuries that are going to impact them for probably the first half of the season. AJ, the final team that you're going to look at is the San Jose Sharks. They were a a little over a million dollars over the cap a week ago, and they're now cap compliant. How'd they do it? Well, yeah, so obviously part of that, uh, they've got a little over 2.4 million uh, from buying out Martin Jones' contract that's still uh, hitting their books. They've got about $2.7 million in retained salary on the Brent Burns deal. And then Alexander Barabarnoff, uh, Marcus Nutavara are both on IR as well. So they're running uh, basically a player short right now in terms of roster size, just 22 guys uh, to help them stay under the cap there. But um, they, like I said, if either of those guys, if either – uh, you know, New Tavara or Bear Banoff is going to be out long term, which we are not projecting right now. Um, they could shift them to long term IR if they needed some savings. And uh, and the St. Louis Blues are going to round it out for us, AJ. They didn't have a lot to do to get under the cap, but the name that made it to the injured reserve list is worth talking about a little bit, and that's Marco Scandella, who's on the books for $3.275 million this year and next, brought in to be a top four defenseman, or at least certainly insurance. For the top four, there's four guys on the books that will make more money than him on the blue line. But uh, I, I think they've got they've got time to put him in the roster. And uh, Nico Mikola, Robert Bertuzzo, and Callie Rosen are the three guys that round out the group of seven on the blue line. They're going to wind up making it six and have to make some other moves in order to accommodate Scandella. And that's the big concern they have. On LTIR, they only get $750,000 relief from Scott Perunovic's deal. He's a fringe player at best only 24 years old, but certainly hard-pressed to uh, compete for a, a roster spot, even when he's healthy. So the big thing to watch for is a Marco Scandella here in St. Louis. So, AJ, that's a look at how several of these teams got compliant. I mean, uh, I was hoping that we could get through to a, look, a deeper look at some of the rosters. We'll probably have to save that for next week, but I have a couple of questions for you before we sign off today. And one is, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the Number one draft pick, Yuri Slavkovsky for the Montreal Canadiens. He's penciled in to make their open in night roster. And uh, I saw him play twice, AJ. And the notion of Bambi on skates, uh, <laughs> well, I'm not saying this to be insulting to the guy, but he didn't look very stable compared to all the players he was playing with. And it made me a little bit nervous. Uh, I hope maybe it was rookie Jedders because he was playing the Leafs both times. I'm not sure. And he played him again tomorrow night. Now he probably will want to kick sand in my face by scoring a couple of goals in opening night. But <laughs> what I saw, I don't know if this guy might be one of those players that's nine games and then done and goes back to the minors for further seasoning. I don't think he's going to learn a lot uh, on the Montreal roster other than what he gleans from their head coach, which could be very considerable and maybe a solid learning experience in and of itself. But they're going to do a lot of losing in Montreal. And I, I really think there's a concern here that you don't – do you really want this guy to be a part of that environment? with such a, a poor outlook, I'll say, the rest of this season anyway. Yeah, I think, you know, the hard part, obviously, with him is he's he's not old enough to go to the AHL at 18. So uh, they would have to send him back to 
uh, his um, overseas team. So he'd have to go back to uh, Turku, TPS Turku over in Sweden uh, rather than playing with them. So uh, I do think we'll see nine games out of him for sure. Then they'll kind of have to make a decision uh, on what to do there. So um, it's probably in his court to figure out if if he can adjust and and get to that level that he needs to be at. Um, or, uh, yeah, like I said, I would uh, expect the team will send him back overseas. AJ, we've got a couple of teams that are going to battle for the first pick in the league, and I'm almost thinking they're they're almost looking like they could tank easily. The Chicago Blackhawks, they signed a few players to stretch some strange-looking contracts. The head of the list for me is Max Domi. He's penciled in for first-line minutes with the Hawks and and at $3 million. And then on his right side, Patrick Kane uh, is on the last year of a big-dollar deal. He and Jonathan Taves, in fact, both are. And, and I think Kane looks to me like the more tradable commodity of the two. I don't think either one of these players finishes the season in Chicago. And I think they could be a team that really will be a major seller and could have quite the auction and retain some really nice pieces for both of these players. Where would you like to see Patrick Kane wind out? I'll I'll ask you that one. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, if I'm being completely uh, blunt about it, I I don't really want him to leave. I mean, uh, and I'm sure people in Chicago feel the same way. Um, I think it'd be very weird to see Patrick Kane in a, a different sweater. Um, so I, honestly, I hope he stays, um, powers through a bit of a rebuild here. He's definitely still got, you know, a, a handful of years left, you know, five, five-ish maybe. Um, you know, there's some up-and-comers on this team. So, you know, maybe for him there's enough to keep him around. He might have to consider giving a hometown discount next year. Um, but if he wants to go – to a competitive team, uh, it is going to be tricky because at most they can only retain uh, 50% of his salary there. So you would need a team that could absorb, uh, you know, about $5 million in, in cap hit. Um, there's probably not a lot out there that could really do that, that are also like playoff teams. Um, Minnesota might be close. Uh, that would be quite a strange look for Chicago fans for him to drift over to a, a rival there in Minnesota. Um, you know, maybe Nashville could try and swing something as well, depending on their injury situation. So uh, I think it's it's going to be hard to move them unless somebody has a, a, an LTIR situation like the Golden Knights when they brought in Jack Eichel. Uh, you know, they had a ton of LTIR that they could use up uh, to get him in there. Cause it, again, at most uh, the, the Hawks can only retain about 5 million of that big cap hit. AJ in Edmonton, we didn't get to talk about this guy much because he really only exploded on the preseason scene after we did the Pacific look. And that's Dylan Holloway. Now he's all but penciled in on the second line over there. This is a guy that was their first overall first round pick, in the 2020 draft and he's got good size he's got good hands he played in bakersfield last year only for 33 games getting 22 points and they're penciling him in as a second line winger you're playing alongside uh, leon dreisaitl the advantage that he has is that he's got that belief from the management team and the, the depth charts really thin on the left side 
of the Oilers lineup. Brian McLeod and Brad Malone are third and fourth line wingers. So I think he's going to get a long look here on the second line. What do you Would you waste a, a pick on this guy or you want to have him show something and maybe pick him up on the waiver wire once the season starts? Well, Paul, you picked the wrong person to ask about that because I absolutely would take Dylan Holloway. And that's because... Like Cole Caulfield, he is a University of Wisconsin product. So, of course, I was eating him to you, man. Of course, I would take him. That was a setup. Um, but, I mean, you look at those numbers. You know, we've talked in the past. I, I have a lot of time for collegiate athletes. Um, I think it prepares them really well for the transition to the professional ranks. 22 points in 33 games in, in his first year as a pro. Uh, his sophomore year at Wisconsin, 11 goals, 24 assists in 23 games. Like, this guy has a scoring touch. Um, do I think he'll for sure 100% spend the entire year up in Edmonton? Maybe not. Um, he is uh, a player that could be easily moved to the to the minors if need be because he is waiver, waivers exempt. So if he struggles, they might shift him. But overall, I would expect him to play more games than not with Edmonton this year. Um, if he does stay up the whole season, I, I must say 20 goals is, is not beyond impossible for him. AJ, I'm going to talk about a couple of defensemen next. I want your reaction to the New York Islanders. Alexander Romanoff, he came over to them from the Montreal Canadiens, and he's penciled in for a big role. First line pairing with Noah Dobson, I think his physicality is something that really attracted uh, Lou Lamorello's attention. And this guy's going to be around the league for a long time, I think. Getting him out of Montreal was a masterstroke by the Islanders, and I think that he's going to be a centerpiece of their blue line for years to come. So I, I want you to comment on him. And then I'll also ask you to what your slant is on Jake Sanderson over in Ottawa, two, def- two defensemen, young defensemen, and uh, it's not often that uh, at a young age they make a big splash. I think more pressure is on Romanoff to deliver the goods, and they might throw a mulligan Jake Sanderson's way. He might not need it, though. This guy, it looks like he's NHL ready at a very tender age. And uh, the only other offensive piece on the Ottawa blue line is Thomas Shabbat. So he might relieve him on the power play, get some bonus minutes there. It might be worthwhile picking both of these guys, don't you think, at some point? I'm actually not as high on Romanoff uh, from a fantasy perspective. I, I think he's a great addition to the Islanders. I think he'll be a really good pairing uh, for Noah Dobson. But, you know, with Montreal, played 79 games last year, pretty much a non-factor on the power play, had just 13 points. Yeah, you could blame it on that, but even looking back at his like KHL numbers, uh, his last season with CSKA Moscow, just seven points in 43 games. Like This is not a player that I'm seeing a lot of offensive upside other than the couple World Junior tournaments he's played in. That's kind of been the only place I've seen him uh, – produce at a, at a high offensive level. Now, I will say if your format is such that hits are a big one for you and or blocks, I think Romanoff might be somebody to consider. You're talking 227 hits last year, 144 blocks, so nearly a block per game um, and, and just dishing out hits less, left and right. Again, just you know, probably closer to like two and a half, doing some quick math there. Now on the other side, Jake Sanderson, This is a player I think that is worth uh, maybe taking in your drafts. I wouldn't necessarily go early rounds, but again, 26 points in 23 games for the University of North Dakota last year, two really solid seasons uh, with North Dakota. 
there's a reason he was taken fifth overall in 2020. He's going to get plenty of lead time, I think, this year. Uh, and I would expect a, a decent offensive season from him. AJ, before we sign off, I'm going to give each of, each of us a chance to wax poetic about our favorite clubs. I'm going to give it to you for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What do you like about the makeup of this team over last year? Or are you concerned that they may be taking a step backward? I'll put it that way. Yeah, I was originally hesitant on the the kind of Matheson Petri deal. Um, not really sure that 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 was something that needed to be made. Mike Matheson had a really good year, um, but I think they bought low on Petri. Uh, they they were able to bring in uh, Jan Ruta, who's got a couple of Stanley Cups, to really uh, bolster kind of the the physical defensive side of the game, which is something they haven't had for a while. Um, I, I like the fact that they were able to get Ryan pulling in as well in, in that deal for, for Petri. So um, there's some pieces here, but ultimately in my mind, this season could entirely come down to Jason Zucker and Kasperi Kapanen, which is insane to think when you talk about the centers on this team with Crosby, Malkin, Carter, but they're going to need Kapanen and Zucker to have good seasons, like where they can produce, both of them probably should be producing closer to 20 to 25 goals. If they don't get that from them, uh, there's only so much that the, that these centers can do. Um, so it, it really could come down to those two guys. And as far as I'm concerned with the Maple Leafs, I mean, I heard from our dra uh, DraftKings colleague, Anna Dua, and I heard more than I wanted to hear from her today, to be quite frank. She's <laughs> leaf and threw it through. But she went out with the hottest of takes that I've ever heard of anybody this season saying the Leafs will not make the playoffs. I'll bet her whatever she wants because there's no way this team's missing the playoffs. Offensively, AJ, they are loaded for bear like I have never seen, and I mean never seen in my life. And that's a long time watching this team. They could go with five forward lines that, that are NHL ready. They're going to wind up suiting up four. And uh, they got some new faces there. Dennis Maligan, who's been here before, went over to Europe and uh, reinvented himself a little bit. He's looking like a very dynamic player. And maybe the answer to, to the long question, long time question of who's going to play with Tavares and Nylander. They've never really find, found anybody to stay there for a long period of time. Maligan looks to be that guy. And then... It gives the third line a different look with Alex Kerfoot a chance to play regular shift as a center there. That's a real luxury to put a player of his quality to, in the middle of the third line. And uh, Callie Yarncroft had a, an outstanding couple of games in, in the exhibition schedule. And at least have seen something in this veteran to sign him for a four-year deal at a very nice cap-friendly hit of $2 million per year. I like what I've seen out of him. And along with Peter Pierre Engvall, they figure to be a pretty good two-way line there. And I mean... The checking line, the fourth line, centered by David Kent, who had a very nice season for the Leafs in that role, will now be flanked by a couple of the hyphen guys. They might call it the hyphen line, but Zach Aston Reese on one side, Nicholas Alve Kubel on the other. They're both physical players with a bit of size and, and a nice offensive game to their, their repertoire. So I think the fourth line could even be factoring into the scoring on a semi-regular basis, certainly more than what they got last year. So that's the blue, the back, the forwards. The back end, as deep as I can ever remember with eight quality NHL ready players on that roster. They've never had the, the luxury of even more than five or six in the past. They solved the Rasmus Sandin in uh, off season trade squabble. And now he's ready to go. So I don't see any weaknesses uh, forward or defense in goal. That's a big question mark, but I like what I saw out of these guys in the exhibition schedule, Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, both NHL veterans uh, and uh, both play 
uh, have played in the playoffs before. They certainly give the tandem a different look. And I mean, this is where I, I want your reaction, AJ, too. Uh, they finished 26th in goals against in the league last year with Campbell and a cast of thousands um, in net mining. I don't think they're worse off. Do you, as an outsider, think they're they're worse off in the Nets? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say yes to that. I, I do. Um, you know, I, I I think they've improved uh, their backup, but I think they've gotten worse at the starter position. Uh, it would be my take on that, I think. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think they're going to need both guys at, at periods. I think they're going to have to split the nets. Now, Paul, I know it, it's been a while, but I think you you said best offensive team in your lifetime, but that 1917-18 team averaged about five goals per game. Come on, so. man. That was before me. <laughs> nice shot, though. Shots fired this, this morning by Annan and now by you. Uh, I like, like, like that when you guys double-team me, and uh, I'll have to share that comment. That's a good one. You <laughs> like that quick research and figuring out that the team from – a hundred years ago, I had five goals per game. <laughs> exactly. Well done. Well done, partner. Anyway, we've given our listeners a bit of a different flavor for our show. Next week probably will look more familiar and sound more familiar as we uh, talk about games that are being played and who was hot this week and who was not. But we'll also try and keep it fresh with a couple of different new nuances to the show as we go forward. And we'll be introducing guests uh, to join us from time to time. So we hope this has given you more reason to consider listening to us on a regular basis. We thank our loyal listeners as well. And uh, that's it for uh, this episode of Statsman and AJ, the podcast. We'll be back, a uh, special note too, next week. We'll be back uh, on Thursday, the 20th of October. A scheduling issue has arisen for us. And so we'll have to do it next Thursday as opposed to next Tuesday. I hope that you follow us on Twitter to keep up with that. You can follow me Paul Bruno at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. Thank you for listening. We remind you that we're here to assist you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey, so we encourage you to send your comments or questions to us. And uh, keep in mind that schedule change, and uh, thanks for listening today. So long, everybody. Mm-hmm.